Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. This is a Monday Buckeye Talk, but it's going to be a rapid fire because we don't really have anything to rewatch and we won't have anything to rewatch for a couple of weeks here. But this will be a rapid fire pod brought to you by our our texter 614-350-3315. That's a two week free trial, $3.99 after that. And we're just going to hop straight into it all, all the way. And the first couple of questions are running back based questions. From the 614, it looks like the running back room will be Dallin Hayden, and that's all. Is this a four-alarm fire? What will they do? And then from Brian in the 843, here's a rapid fire. Who the heck is going to be the running back room? Who the heck is going to be in the running back room? Nathan! Ohio State's lost three people, two of them to the transfer portal and Chip Tranum and, and Evan Pryor, another one to the NFL draft, and Mayan Williams, and that leaves right now two people in the room. What? 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 Should friends be freaking out, depending on what Travion Henderson decides to do, that there might only be one running back available in the room for the Cotton Bowl? Well, okay, so that's the thing. There's two questions here, right? There's the Cotton Bowl, and then there's 2024. And Travion Henderson's yep. decision obviously plays heavily into both of those things. Presumably, if Travion Henderson decides he's coming back to Ohio State next year, which we think is, is still on the table, then both of these questions are a lot more secure. I do think Ohio State's probably going to get somebody in the transfer portal, but that is something for 2024. So let's talk about the Cotton Bowl first. So Mm -hmm. best case scenario right now for the Cotton Bowl is Trevin Henderson returns, and then you've got Dallin Hayden behind him. And then your number three back behind him is is Xavier Johnson, if he's choosing to to play down there, which we haven't heard any reason to think he probably wouldn't. Um, You've also got someone like T.C. Caffey, the walk-on, that they've liked. Um, who in a situation like this could certainly be your number three back. He has been hurt this year, but he was, I believe, active for the Michigan game, or at least was not listed on the availability report. So he might be healthy enough to act as your emergency guy, your third guy, uh, fourth guy in that situation. So the depth has definitely taken a hit. But if Trevin Henderson comes back, I don't know that you notice it in the Cotton Bowl. Looking ahead to 2024, though, I, I think they probably do go find some kind of portal running back for this room, whether that is a a young guy with a lot of experience uh, left or, or, I mean, uh, eligibility left, whether that is someone who is more of like a Chip Trainum or a Trey Sermon who's going to come in and try to like cap their career. I think it's a delicate spot, though. If, if Henderson comes back and you know you have Hayden behind him, you kind of just need a depth piece. And that's where things always feel kind of weird to me in the portal sometimes because it's like, well... Who is, who is leveling up but is good enough to help you but also is fine being like the third running back on the list. And you've also got, you know, James Peoples coming in. You've got talent coming in with this next class. So I do expect them to probably try to be active in the portal there. But if Henderson comes back, it changes the profile of what they're looking for, I think. Andrew, just from the recruiting standpoint, as of right now, Ohio State is expected to at least bring two more people in the room. So if you're expecting maybe Travion Henderson to come back, whichever side of the the coin you fall on, at least you're expecting Dallin Hayden to be back. And then you pair that with 
James Peoples and Jordan Lyle. Juan, can you just tell us a little bit more about who those guys are as we get closer to signing day? And is there any concern that maybe one of those guys is or isn't going to come? Well, I think that there's, you know, there's always concern, um, you know, when it comes to players at this time of year. Um, you know, I think you, I mean, we're at, I, I mean, we're recording this podcast in, you know, early December and, you know, this is the time of year when guys start to flip and bags start to change and, and situations can change. So, you know, you're always concerned about that. Um, I think right now you look at the room and, you know, worst case scenario, it's Dallin Hayden. I think you definitely need a transfer portal guy. You might need one anyway. Um, but you do have James Peoples coming in, like uh, like Nathan said. Um, he's a kid from San Antonio, Texas. He's a top 100 kid. He's a four-star player. Uh, he's a track athlete down in Texas, so he's a really, really talented guy. Um, you know, he's somebody that has a lot of speed, and that you know, he, he's a low to the ground runner. Somebody that Ohio State thinks can, um, you know, thinks can make an impact. Then you have Jordan Lyle. Uh, Jordan Lyle's a little bit bigger, a little bit more stout. He's six foot, one eighty. He's from uh, Florida. He plays at St. Thomas Aquinas down in Fort Lauderdale. Um, he is a really, really talented running back. Uh, there is, I would say, a little bit of worry from just kind of the outside looking in. Just He's visited Miami now a couple of times. He had an unofficial visit on September 9th. He had an unofficial visit on October 7th. He had an unofficial visit on October 28th. He's a South Florida guy. Like You just look at the visits, and, and that would concern you a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things Steven always says is, is watch the visits and watch the action and watching the action and watching the visits. He's had three of them to Miami, uh, over the football season. So that's just kind of something to keep an eye on, uh, just in case, um, Sam Williams Dixon is the last guy in the class. Uh, I know Steven can talk a little bit more about him. He's a little bit of a tweener, like he can play a couple of different things and you feel great about him not leaving the class. Uh, he's a kid from Pickerington North. Uh, which is obviously, you know, just outside of Columbus, um, just outside of the city of Columbus, I should say. Uh, he's a three-star player, number 599 in the uh, in the class. But um, he's a guy who you feel good about in a couple of different situations, whether it be slot receiver, whether that be running back. So you're bringing in a host of talent, right? Like you're bringing in a handful of guys. I would just say that if you're not going to, if you're not going to have Travion, especially if you're if you're not going to have Travion you need a transfer portal guy to kind of supplement that talent but running back would be a position where if you feel okay about a freshman you're not going to be terrified about putting him out there especially if it's going to be in a number 2 or a number 3 role Sam Williams Dixon they are legitimately recruiting him as an athlete but they are going to start him at running back and see if it sticks in that situation so to be fair, right as of right now, they're losing three, but they're also putting three into the room. Though the the floor is significantly lower, I think that's a fair way to look at that. You have to think of it as: Do you like any of those freshmen as your number two? Because mm-hmm. even though they don't have to be the number two to start the year, if Trevin Henderson comes back or or and Dallin Hayden's around, either one of those guys has a problem. Now they are your number two back. So I think that's the question: mm-hmm. Like, do they think any of those guys are number two back from day one? If the answer is yes, then then maybe they maybe the portal is kind of a minimal thing to look at here. I still expect Ohio State just to kind of cover its bases and and probably try to pick up some kind of additional veteran body in the portal. At worst, I think the fact that their quarterback is their quarterback is currently in the portal. I don't think you can leave any stone unturned in the portal right now, just for the sake of to your point. Like, who knows? There maybe be might be an upgrade. We haven't really on this podcast talked about Trevian Henderson's situation yet and whether what we think the odds of him coming back are i know we talked about it yesterday in a youtube video but um we have assumed that that has been a a factor in some of these decisions that have that other guys have made like that's one of the reasons why maybe these portal entries have happened that there's least uncertainty from that running back group like evan Pryor was the one that we looked at on paper and thought well if trevian henderson doesn't come back there's a huge opportunity for evan Pryor. Now he and, and Dallin Hayden in some combination can be your one and your two. Um, maybe that wasn't really developing behind the scenes the way we thought it would, but that seemed like on paper to make a lot of sense. If if Trevion is uncertain about what he wants to do, maybe that alone was enough for Evan Pryor to say he needed to go in the portal. I don't think he's, he hasn't made any public statements on it. It's just that's the one that I'm looking at on paper, uh, looking at right now as far as like things that are hanging out there. The Marvin thing is sort of like a, 
like a, a once in a lifetime kind of unicorn sort of situation <clears throat> if he were to decide to come back. The Trevion one, just every time I look at it, seems so much more realistic for a lot of reasons. And it, I, just to kind of follow up on something that we had talked about on that YouTube video. So two things I want to mention. So one problem you get into sometimes in the NFL or any any pro draft is your age and like getting too old to be a rookie and, and, and both, you know, sort of shortening your career from your standpoint, but then also not giving the team that's drafting you as much upside on the development, if that makes sense. And Trevion doesn't turn 22 until October 22nd of next year. He's a young guy. So I think that's probably a factor in his decision. It should be a little bit that he can wait until next year and still only be 22 when he goes to the draft and starts his NFL career. Also, I was looking at, so like what we think would maybe be worst case scenario for him if he were to come out this year. And I actually don't even know if this is correct, but like last year there was one running back taken in the fourth round. It was Roshan Johnson out of Texas. The, the Bears took him. They were selecting the backup quarterback for <laughs> from Texas or backup running back from Texas. Um, his deal was like 4.6 over four, but with a $770,000 signing bonus. And if you drive, if you, if they, people that fell to the fifth round, because there were a few running backs in the fifth round, that was still like about a million per, but the signing bonus drops a lot. It drops down into like basically in half. If you're going at the top of the fifth round, you're down into like a $200,000 signing bonus. All I'm saying is, and the signing bonus is sort of the guaranteed portion of, of these contracts. So I think Ohio State and the apparatus around Ohio State could find a year of money that is equi- is equated to what he would be getting his first year in the NFL. So I'm just, just to give some more specificity to those things that we've been sort of dancing around, like he's, he's not old for his class. He would still be going in at a, a fairly young age if he waited another year. And I think that the money that it would take to keep him here is not crazy if he didn't get like a day two draft valuation, which I, I if he's considering it this hard, I would assume maybe he didn't. Well, and and just to follow up with that, the I looked this up as you were talking. Uh, Tajay Spears got drafted by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he was a two lane running back. He was a day two pick. He was a third round pick. And what did you say? Roshan was seven fifty for that signing bonus. Seven seventy, a little under seven seventy. Seven seventy. So uh, Tajay Spears' signing bonus was nine ninety three. So nine hundred ninety three thousand dollars and one hundred six nine hundred ninety three thousand one hundred sixty four dollars. Uh, so the signing bonus isn't. If you even if you were to be a day two pick, it's not right. I, I know right. we're we're talking about relative, but the signing bonus is not a ton more. Two hundred thousand dollars to say it's not a ton is objectively funny, but it's not a ton more when you're sure. talking in these terms. Um, Spears's contract is is four years because you if you're not a first round pick, it's only four years. Uh, it's four point four million, um, four point four nine million to be exact. So the the difference in money is not super great. When you're talking about a day three pick to a day like a day uh, day two pick to a day three pick, so if if that is the case, like if money is going to be the big factor um, or is a big factor, then you can make that up relatively easy. Like if if you go to Trevion and say, "Hey, this is a fourth round grade. We can get you to a second round second round grade or a third round grade." The money that you would have to up it to is not crazy. If if Trevion were to say. I want day three money or I want a day three signing yeah. or day round three signing bonus. I know that there is this um, fear or concern out there about Ohio state's NIL apparatus. I think a lot of it is unfounded to a certain extent. It doesn't get used in recruiting the way it's used for, for players who are on the roster. And I think the numbers that we're talking about from the things that I understand about the NIL operation around Ohio State, I think they could outbid the NFL. I think they could outbid his NFL expectation this year, and it wouldn't take like coming up with some Brinks truck full of hundred dollar bills. You know what I mean? I think it would I mean, it'd be a, it's it's good money, but it's not like some kind of outrageous dollar figure that they'd have to come up to match where he is probably projected right now with his demonstrated skill set other than this short window this year, and with a fairly spotty injury history. There's a lot for him to gain if he could come back and play a whole year. So he hasn't made a decision yet, and he's not even close to making one yet. And I, that's a reach around just to try to get an understanding of where his head is at right now. And that's not – if there if there are – you know, Twitter has turned into 
something so special these days. But as of right now, there there I have there is not a decision that has been made by Travion Henderson. And I'm not even to the draft grade point, Nathan. I'm not even sure if those grades have come back yet, given how early it is in December. They they still might be waiting on those to come back. So I don't know the exact dates that that they they get the, that information back. But I do know that as of right now, as we're recording this pod on a Friday, there's no actual decision that has been made whether or not Travion Henderson is or isn't coming back yet. I thought it was interesting too okay. yesterday. Yesterday, when we talked to Marvin Harrison Jr. and he was rattling off um, thir- Thursday, we were talking to Marvin Harrison Jr. He was rattling off. Um, yeah. Well, you guys have had a, averaged a Heisman Trophy finalist per year. Like who could be that next year? And he started rattling off guys. And you would think, like almost subconsciously, if he knew someone wasn't coming back, he might have eliminated them from that list and yeah. not said their name. But he said both Trevion Henderson and Emeka Ibuka as guys who he thought could come back and be it's it's much more realistic for Trevion than it is for Emeka I think and that's not anything against Emeka you just have to be super special as a receiver to be a Heisman finalist uh, as we've talked about so many times and, and looked at it historically but like he's and he even said like hey I don't know if he's coming back or not but like if he does like that's a guy who could you know running backs I mean Marvin's Marvin's such a smart guy man like he it's been interesting talking to him yesterday about any number of 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 facets and you, the the perspective that he has where he can, I thought it was just funny, Stephen, watching the video you did with him, where he's talking about, you asked him to do like his Mount Rushmore receivers. And yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think that a guy who grows up in Philadelphia and doesn't follow Ohio state growing up, but he can so mm-hmm. easily drop Chris Carter. Right, he knew about through his, you know, the NFL connections. He's probably met Chris Carter before he ever got to Ohio state. But like, you know, mm-hmm. the Malcolm Jenkins and like he can drop these other names and realize how how important those guys are in the framework of Ohio State. Just um, so the the, the 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 fact that he can he knows the landscape here a little bit and that how special it is for him to be there as a receiver. But he looks at what Trevion did this past year and you can easily project that to next year and say you do that over 12 games. That's probably New York. I mean, there's a case that if he hadn't gotten hurt this year and he had just been doing what he did in the second half of the year all year he probably would already have been their best Heisman Trophy candidate even with what Marvin Harrison was Jr. was doing just because the stats Maybe. might be a little heavier at that position Maybe. but it would, it would be at the expense of Marvin I don't think yeah, they yeah, get yeah, two they, they, they weren't getting two especially on the same side of the ball that's it, when one's not a quarterback that's a crazy thing to think about okay that's question number one. Let's let's let's. All right, guys. Let's. Uh, was, I, I let's asked the second here. question. I interjected. No, no, it was it was you know it was necessary because you're right. We hadn't talked about Travion Henderson and what his status was yet. Do you not have the question timer going? I did, and then we got yeah, to a Travion Henderson discussion. We were on pace until the Travion Henderson. So like when we're talking, like I'll be in the middle of a sentence, it's just bang, bang, bang. Like right now, like right now, like right now, like right now. Let's do it. Like right now. Question number two from the 614. Do you think Kyle McCoy's departure is an overreaction? It's another loss to Michigan, but the Bucks did finish 11-1. and one. Yes, McCord had issues, but he was third-team All-Big Ten and ranked in the top 15 QBs nationally. One would think he was on his... He was on the path to having a big year next year, and now you're starting over from scratch. Truth is, if someone had told me before the Michigan game that Ohio State's defense would, would hold Quorum to 88 rushing yards and Donovan Edwards to 31 rushing yards and J.J. McCarthy would only have 148 passing yards and 17 rushing yards, and oh yeah, the Buckeyes offense would score 24 points against the Michigan defense that was giving up less than 10 points a game on average, I would have thought the Buckeyes would win. I really can't blame the loss on all on McCord. Defense didn't do the job in the second half, though it played better in t- than 21 and 22. That's a lot. So let's just focus on the McCord transfer portal part of this, Nathan. Is any part of this, in your opinion, an overreaction by both sides? McCord's decision to go onto the transfer portal and Ohio State's decision to use language or do whatever it was that led McCord down the path that he would go to the transfer portal. I'm having trouble seeing the overreaction from Ohio State's side of things. I think Ohio State was maybe the side that had the most sober perspective on this to say, and I guess I'm talking about Ryan Day specifically, but you know, the greater conversations as a, as a, as a program to say that you could absolutely start on opening day next year. I'm not going to tell you that in December. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I don't understand why that would, would send people over the edge. I don't think it's disrespectful to come accord to say, that um, 
yes, you had a solid year. Yes, you are right now, as we stand here, the front runner to start next year. But we didn't win our last game, and a big mistake that you made was a part of that. Good things you did were a part of why we could have come back and won it. But still, like all those things are the reality. You can't just only look at the positives. So to, to, to have been faced with an ultimatum of sorts or something that's a cousin to a multi- ultimatum and to balk at that and say, well, we're not going to just hand you this job today. Um, it's one of those things where I, I say this in so many facets of life. It's like you because people are uh, people are so often so hesitant to like say or do something because they're worried how someone will react to it, even if what they would need to say or do is like the most practical thing. And I don't think you can you can live your life worrying about um, overreaction by someone who's maybe not making the most stable decision. And I, you know, from the McCord standpoint, maybe if if they think Ohio State is going to get involved in the portal at that point, whether they had or not, if they think that Devin Brown is actually a true threat to to be good enough to beat him out the second time around, and they feel like if they don't have this assurance that um, they need to make their move and find the best move out there because there are so many other quarterbacks going in the portal that you need to try to get on that list early, make your visits, pick the spot that you want. I, I guess I sort of see that from their point. If, if, if once I feel like that side is still the bigger overreaction because Kyle McCord was the starting quarterback for Ohio State. There aren't a lot of better jobs in college football than that. He had the job. All he had to do was get better in the next year and keep it. I think, I mean, I came out of the Michigan game. I think we all did, assuming that's what was going to happen, that that was going to be their starting quarterback for 2024. And we, because we had discussions about it, he's going to have to get better. I think he knows he has to get better and he's going to try to get better. I've always thought that Kyle McCord, uh, as much as, as people didn't like the result this year, and I understand why, and we've pointed out the, the things that were flawed in, in, in the performance this year, but, um, at no point has anyone ever told me that he didn't work hard, that he didn't take this seriously, that he wasn't trying to go out there and win every game. I know from conversations I was having that week that um, he was working hard to be as ready as he could for that game, that they, the expectation was that they were going, you know, he was expecting to go in and win that game. Like, I just, um, so I, the thing that feels like an overreaction is just how quickly it feels like it slipped away and or or this rift happened and maybe it had been building all year behind the scenes but to go from the from the Michigan game and I know he took a lot of abuse and, and for lack of a better word but to go from that to being in the portal by Monday that's what seems like there was a rash decision made in a short amount of time I think if anything may feel like an overreaction and I'm not saying that I think it is I'm just saying if you were thinking this way from the Ohio State side of things is if they were going to go into the portal anyway, looking for a quarterback and depending on what type of quarterback they were going to look for, then I can see where a fan might think, is that an overreaction to a dude losing a game by six points to the team who might, who, who is now the number one team in the country and might win a national championship? Is that really what we're doing here? Like, so I can understand that part of it. I don't think it's an overreaction because as we've talked about, this is what Ryan Day has made the standard here. You got to be a certain level. And if you're not, you got to nip it in the bud. You can't let it linger, unfortunately. And I hate to talk about Kyle McCord that way because that's this is still a human being who has a real decision to make in life, and I want to acknowledge that. But Ryan Day wants C.J. Stroud, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields level play at quarterback, and Kyle McCord was not that this year. And Kyle McCord, from Kyle McCord's standpoint, it feels brash, the actual decision, but it's a decision four years in the making. You got to remember, Kyle McCord, has been a part of the Ohio State program, and at least in relationship, since April of 2019. That is a long time, and you don't actually get to start full-time until September of 2023, and even then, you had to fight off somebody who had only been in relation to the program for about a year and a half at that point. That is a long time to stay loyal to a situation, and so to get through all of that, lose the most important game, and potentially here. We're not guaranteeing you this spot. We're not guaranteeing you it. Whether it's a reasonable decision for him to make or not, I get it. 
I get why after four years not feeling like there's a level of security when you have patiently watched multiple guys commit, decommit, join the room, leave the room, and you have been the most consistent thing. Kyle McCarr has been the most consistent thing about quarterback at Ohio State since Ryan Day took over as head coach. And to not feel like your spot is safe, I understand why you felt like it was time to move on. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, it all depends on how this kind of played out. Uh, I think that, like Nathan was saying there, if there's if this was a slow build, you know, if this was something that had kind of been building throughout the year, I, I think you could look at the Ohio State perspective and say, man, if they lost that game to Michigan and then immediately kind of gave the impression that they were going to go portal diving, that's an overreaction on Ohio State's part that you lose one game in a game where you had the ball on their side of the field with a chance to win, that I would say that that's an overreaction. If you thought during the Penn State game, maybe, or during the Notre Dame game, or at the Wisconsin game, you know, if you thought earlier in the season, midway through the year, if you thought that, all right, maybe we might have to do something here about the portal. Maybe we might have to upgrade externally here then I don't think it's an overreaction. You know, I, I don't want this to come across as, you know, Ohio State just did something rash if they had been thinking about doing this all year. And I also don't think it's rash if that's Ohio State's thinking for Kyle McCord, who has one year of eligibility left. Like, keep that in mind. Kyle McCord has one more year because he didn't redshirt in 2021. He has one more year left, and then he's got to go pro. So he doesn't have the COVID year since he was a 21 kid. So Kyle McCord, I get it from his perspective too. Whereas if you get back from the Michigan game and you start to have these conversations with people and you get the impression that they might add externally, what have we talked about for the last couple of weeks that Ohio State's going to add somebody? It would probably be somebody that you're bringing in to be the starter. It would probably be somebody that you are bringing in to say, this dude is QB1. And I get it from the McCord perspective. If, if you're looking at this going, man, they might not have to get, because they, they might not guarantee my spot. Because then you're in a unique situation where, hey, if he loses that job in fall camp, he's got he's to he's gotta talk to the coaching staff and say, you know what? I can't play. Like I'm not going to play. You have to redshirt me so I can go somewhere else and maintain my eligibility for another year. And it just gets entirely messy. So I get it from that perspective. It's not an overreaction if it had been building. It is an overreaction if both sides got through the Michigan game and went, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. If if Ohio State said, we need to replace you, or if Kyle McCord said, I can't believe you, you know, I led you to 11 and one and you're not going to guarantee me the job and I'm out. I, I, I think that it's an overreaction if, um, if, if that was the case, but I do understand both perspectives. Ohio state feels like it needs to get more from its quarterback play, which it does because the defense next year is probably going to take a step back. So you need more out of your quarterback. And I understand from McCord's perspective, he's looking at it as I led you to a game winning drive against Notre Dame. We beat Penn state who was a top 10 team when we played them. We beat, we almost beat Michigan, and now you're going to tell me that 11 and one's not good enough when next year we would have been in the playoff? That's crazy. So I do get it from both perspectives, but as long as it didn't happen in the last week, it's not an overreaction. But, but again, that at no point, I, I have not talked to anyone who, no. and even people close to McCord, or at least in that orbit, who have said that Ohio State was the one saying, you probably need to go somewhere else. Like he wasn't pushed mm-hmm. out. Yeah. It was just no. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. I was texting with my boss about this. You're talking to my boss about this because for a, for a kind of an analysis piece about this that I wrote for the site. What would it have been? Maybe Tuesday morning. Must have been Tuesday morning. Um, God, this has been a long week, guys. <laughs> it felt like Thursday on Tuesday. Um. Uh, but that uh, he, the analogy that we were kind of throwing out there was like one side wanted to get married and one side just wanted to keep dating or one side wanted to have a long engagement kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and maybe that's a rough analogy, but that's sort of what it maybe felt like was happening that one side wanted a, like a sealed deal. And the other side was like, Hey, I'm into you, 
but I'm not ready to go there yet. Like you've got to earn it. Like you've got to, you've got to maintain and you've, I have to see what the other options are because we've recruited this room for this way for a reason. So I agree with what the texter said, by the way, about the, you definitely, it's definitely true to say you can't blame the whole Michigan loss on McCord. I think people who are doing that have, have taken it too far. Uh, the hard part is, do you know who a big part of the Michigan loss can be blamed on? Michigan. They played really well. They didn't make any mistakes for OSU to capitalize on. This was basically a play, playing a playoff game on the road. Uh, you know, Ohio State, when its season was on the line, didn't get to do what Texas did and go play on a neutral site against Oklahoma State's dumpster fire diarrhea defense that it has. It had to go on the road and play the best Michigan team of the past X years. Like, it's, it's, it, we, we, it's apples and oranges. And Ohio State came out on the short end of a really good game. I, I, I think we're going to like objectively look back. Whoever's doing this in 20 years when they do a, um, a retalkable on it, I think they're going to look back at that game and say, hey, that was actually a pretty great game. You know? And they won't know necessarily all of the drama and factors that were around this game that played into the way people feel about it. So on the... On, the problem is that we look at it from a detached perspective and we say person A should think this way and person B should think this way. But in, in reality, person A has their own perspectives that got baked into the conversations that they were having with person B and the things that they were hearing. And even though I agree that it wasn't McCord's fault, and I don't know that that Day wanted to convey this, but immediately after the game, when he's asked, what, what would you say about McCord's performance? And, and again, Ryan Day just took his third loss to Michigan and was having to sit in uh, the everything he probably wanted to say about Michigan at that point and keep his mouth shut. The last place in the world he wanted to be at that moment was in there talking to yahoos like us. And when he gets that question, it's not in his mindset to like praise the quarterback who once again had a slow start, made a the kind of mistake that they would have made early in the season they're making it in the most important game at the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when he didn't get, when he didn't, he wasn't ready to, it, it seemed like he was being kind of harsh in the moment. And I guess if I'm on the McCord side, I hear that. I hear other things. I I get, I guess, where they're coming from. It still just seems like there's no job. He's, there's no position, no team that he's been connected to since he went in the portal that was anything near what he could have still been to start next year, which is starting quarterback at Ohio State. So let's take a quick break right there. When we come back, a, a few more transfer portal related questions. A lot of transfer portal related questions because that's just the season of the year we're in. We're, we're going to get a lot of those questions, including one more that has to do with quarterbacks and Kyle McCord and Ryan Day. And we'll get into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Get the text if you want to participate in surveys like this. Get news, get analysis, just voice your opinions. Do anything you want to do. Two-week free trial, three ninety nine after that, 614-350-3315. We were almost under 10 minutes, and then Nathan went on a soliloquy. So we're blaming Nathan for why that last question wasn't rapid fire. That's what I'm going to start using this thing for. I'm just going to use it to blame whoever is the reason why we go over. So one more quarterback question here. From the 330. Is Ryan Day's status as a quarterback developer more positively impacted by C.J. Stroud's early NFL success or negatively impacted by Kyle McCord's underwhelming season? Andrew, we'll start with you. We know what C.J. Stroud is doing in the NFL right now. The Texans are in the hunt for a playoff spot. He's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year. And depending on what national you know, talking heads you you listen to, they're probably thinking he's in the MVP race. He's already broken a couple of records as well and been – Everything and more that he already was at Ohio State, while Kyle McCord, as we just got finished talking about, is currently in the transfer portal after going eleven and one, and not be, and being the first Ohio State quarterback to have less than thirty touchdown passes since JT Barrett in twenty sixteen did it as well. Just wasn't at the same level as what we've grown accustomed to over the last four or five years here. What is a bigger point on the Ryan Day quarterback developer card between those two things? I think it's Stroud. This this was a fantastic question, by the way. So yeah. so shout out to Best whoever asked this the from day. the three three zero. I thought this was a remarkably good question. Yeah, agreed. Um, because the thing that I the thing that I keep coming back to is like look at some of the quarterbacks that Ohio State has had, and and I think Ohio State fans are probably aware of the perception of Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. 
is that they're not <laughs> yes, always they as are. good as you would want. Yeah, <laughs> they're and they're not aware. always as yes. good as you would hope. Um, you know, like Dwayne Haskins struggled in Washington and Terrell Pryor didn't really make it. And you can kind of go back down the line. But like in more recent times, like Justin Fields hasn't exactly lit the world on fire, right? Um, Justin Fields hasn't been the guy who you can point to and be like, oh, wow, that guy's insane. And that just hasn't happened um, in the NFL. So I think it's close because you can't, you know, get you can't like wash your hands of Justin Fields and then say, oh, well, you know, the Bears just suck. Sorry, the Bears are terrible. We'd have. I think you could do that. I think you can can say say the Bears just suck as an organization. I guess you can. That's an accurate statement. All right. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right. So you can't say the Bears suck. However. I, I don't think you can just kind of wash your hands of the CJ or the, excuse me, the Justin Fields thing and just say, ah, you know what, Ryan Day, you know, Ohio State's not going to claim that because he's not any good because the Bears are terrible. Well, CJ Stroud joined a team that was pretty terrible too. And CJ Stroud's balling right now. So if you're going to give credit today for CJ Stroud, you also kind of have to understand that was Justin Fields not all that like like where's that where's that difference because if just if justin fields isn't having the nfl career that you thought he would i'm not sure and, you're answering the question though this isn't about justin know, fields this is well, about I, I the kyle like McCord, I said, cj stroud aspect of i understand but i think but my answer is because i think it's stroud is more positively impact because you can point to that and say look at look at what cj stroud is doing and look at where he was developed and look at what he did at Ohio State. And again, I I go back to the history of Ohio State. Like you have had Ohio State quarterbacks get drafted early and you have had Ohio State quarterbacks get put to the league early. I don't think it's fair to completely kind of wash your hands of the, like the Justin Fields situation and say, ah, you know, don't worry about that or the Dwayne Haskins situation where he wasn't really that great in Washington. Um, I, I do think you can point to the NFL success and say, look, this is a hundred percent a bigger impact on Ryan day because you can look at the NFL and say, he's getting them there. And that does matter. Right. And Kyle Cord is going to be an NFL quarterback. Like I, I would feel fairly certain that wherever he lands, he's going to be at least a mid round guy. So I, I think it's and I think that if he had stayed at Ohio State another year, you could maybe say there would have been a leap there. But I think it's the CJ Stroud one because getting them to the NFL is kind of the end game for this, right? Getting them to the NFL is kind of what people want to see. So I think having him succeed in the NFL is it's close, but I think it's better than Kyle McCord having an underwhelming season. Yeah, I, I don't think it's close. I, it's, it's definitely Stroud. Um, Stroud has been way greater as an NFL rookie than Kyle McCord was bad this year. He's, he wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. He just was, he just kind of underwhelmed. CJ Stroud is doing as a rookie in the NFL with the, uh, and some of this is, I guess, based on our expectations going into the year, what the Texans might be. This was not a roster that people were very excited about partially because they had to use some extra draft capital to do what they did at the top of the draft last year, this, or this past April. Um, to put them in the position that they're in, to be playing with the efficiency and just sort of poise uh, that he has to have had a, to have had the impact he's had on the franchise before the season even started, the way people were talking about him. That all of those things are more, I think, indicative of the a a three year process that he went through at Ohio State than McCord simply not being as good as Stroud was like, that's almost, that's almost the thing that Kyle McCord has been damned for doing is just not being as good as, as CJ Stroud. And that's not really his fault. There's only so much of that that he can control. So, um, I, I think it's not close. I think it's definitely that if Stroud goes to the NFL and hits, which he has and maintains, and becomes a like $50, 60000000 million a year player, which is absolutely a future that is potentially on the table for him right now. If you're becoming a bona fide top-tier franchise quarterback, 
that's the one thing from the Ohio State to the NFL pipeline that has not existed. And if he gets there, that's such a thing that Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, the future quarterbacks coach, whoever, can point to to say, this is why you should come to Ohio State. In a way that the 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 uh, the McCord experience would not be necessarily scaring people off. I don't think it's close either, Nathan. And I thought this was a wonderful question. Kyle McCord was still one of the 15 best quarterbacks in college football. Let's in his numbers say that both the raw stats and then the efficiency stats all say that he just wasn't in the conversation to be the best quarterback in college football, which is what we've come to know at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud is already playing his play this year has been one of like the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he has very quickly looked like a quarterback with his Texans can go, we can win a Super Bowl with that guy. That's not realistic for rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence was viewed as this generational best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And he deserved all of that. We saw him play live twice. Nathan, he looks the part. And he didn't look like this as a rookie. He took the 17 picks as a rookie. C.J. Strouds, basically, he looks like a four-year vet already. And that's, and that's it, it, it's a testament to the development because I understand what you're saying with the Justin Fields stuff, Andrew, but when you're trying to slice something this thin, you've got to use every single detail. C.J. Stroud is the first quarterback that Ryan Day had his hands on and nobody else had their hands on, ever. He was Ryan Day's development from start to finish see Justin Fields started off in Georgia Dwayne Haskins started off with I think Beck was the first quarterback coach when he first got here he he committed to Herman but Herman was gone by then so I think Tim Beck was the quarterback coach by the time Dwayne Haskins got here in 2016 this is Ryan Day's first true full offering to the NFL and it was the number two pick and now it might get some NBA MVP votes this year this is because this is the point what C.J. Stroud is doing is the point of why Ryan Day wants X, Y, and Z out of its Ohio State quarterbacks because he wants them to go to the next level and do this. And so that means more to me than a quarterback who was a really good quarterback just not reaching a standard that, as we continue to say this week, was unrealistic in the first place. So it's got to be C.J. Stroud because the sales pitch there is I can already get you to the NFL, but if you really – lock in here, I can turn you into an MVP caliber quarterback at some point in your career. So I think it's without question, CJ Stroud. Congratulations, everybody. We did that in eight minutes or less. I just want to point that out to everybody. We did a great job with that. One more transfer portal thing before we get into some nonsense. And this is just because I think there are people who are just trying to get an understanding of what's happening with Ohio State and the transfer portal right now. Mike and Toledo, the transfer portal is nonsense. This may be a bit of a boring this may be a bit boring to discuss on the pod, but my question is about the timing of the transfer portal. I get that if kids are going to transfer, they would want to be enrolled in school in January, but doesn't that disadvantage kids who are already who are on teams playing after January 1st? The timing of this just seems a little crazy. Second, if a player enters the portal but later changes his mind and wants to return, what is the school's obligation to that player? I assume the school is freed from the scholarship, but, but maybe I'm wrong. So, Nathan, there's a lot happening right now. You know, you've got signing day coming up. You've got the transfer portal situation. You've got some teams are competing for a national championship right now. Let's just, I, just break it down piece by piece. This doesn't have to be as rapid fire because this is just a fan trying to understand what the heck is going on right now. First part of this, if a player, well, I'll say it's 14 players in the transfer portal right now, hypothetically, could they come back? Could they all come back to the roster even after they've entered the transfer portal? Just based on the rules that and applying, living by the rules of what the transfer portal is. Yes, you can withdraw from the transfer portal. Okay, that's part one of that. If a kid goes into the transfer portal, there's the the university side of that, though, right? Like, a, does the school have to take them back if a kid re- withdraws from the transfer portal? Well, you haven't left school. You're still in school, mm. right? I mean, you're still you're still enrolled. Um, and I, I think uh, if if the football team wants the guy back, and he's already been mm-hmm. enrolled and had been a, a a student in good standing, he'll he'll be 
enrolled for the second semester like that. I don't think there's any, okay. I don't think there's any concern about that. The other thing people need to remember too is, is I think there was the part of the question about um, the timing of everything and how it hurts people. It's yes. you, the portal is open for a certain amount of time. You only have to enter the portal by that date. You don't have to pick a school by mm-hmm. that date. So as long as you're in the portal by then, then you can still transfer. Now, obviously, there may have been spots that filled up at some of the places you could have gone to by then. But that is where, like, if there's a guy who thinks he might go in the portal, but he really wants to play in the bowl game or just wants the bowl game experience or whatever, then he can play in a bowl game and still go in the portal. Okay. okay and you're saying that, like, he could, if, let's just say, Mike Johnson, because I don't want to use actual people, is on Ohio State's roster right now. He plays in the bowl game on December 29th. He can go in the portal right after that. Yeah. He can go in the portal. Okay. He can notify them he's going in the portal um, as soon as the clock hits zero. Okay. I mean, I guess he could probably if do Joe it like, Roy- during the game if he wanted to. <laughs> if they take him out and they're That's like, true. all right, you're done for the day, he'd be like, all right, well, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm in the portal. See ya. Like, I guess that could happen. We've seen, we've seen weirder things. We've seen the, the, the cave on Pope experience. Um, so uh, maybe somebody could do that, I suppose. <laughs> cave on Pope will always be the wildest thing I've ever seen covering this team. So let's look at it from the other side. Evan Pryor is currently in the portal. Can he still play in the Cotton Bowl for Ohio State? You know what? Actually, that's, that one I don't know. But okay. I think in those situations, um, there's not a lot of upside for Ohio State. I know that there were we got right. the question about their their running back numbers, but um, I think you would still reward the guys who are saying they're going to be there next year over mm-hmm. putting him back on the field. And um, I think if you're also Evan Pryor, you don't want to get yourself and you you have an injury history, you don't want to get yourself hurt and then cost yourself an opportunity, right? There's a, there's mm-hmm. 25,000 people or whatever in the portal right now. Um, being an injured running back doesn't get you a lot of run. So I think that it, it, that wouldn't make a lot of sense that, that specific example, but any of the examples, like I don't know that it makes sense for Ohio state to keep using those guys. If uh, they've declared that they're not going to be here next year. Okay, so that was just more of a housekeeping question, just because make sure people understand what's going on here. Last transfer portal things, and then one little just nonsense. Not nonsense. I, there are people interested in who we are as human beings and what we're interested in. From Hunter, hey, Steven, it's Hunter. What's up, Hunter? I was wondering if it's normal for all these players to be hitting the portal. I remember people leaving last year, but this seems like important people are leaving every day. And then from the 937... I understand why some players are leaving, and I realize this is the new reality of the NCAA, but it seems the sheer amount of jumping ship at OSU this year is quite excessive. Is something more going down? It almost appears as if the players are losing faith in the program. And there's a lot of people who are in our tech, 614-350-3315, who have voiced that sentiment when you see this many guys. Basically, the portal opened Monday. And so for the last seven days, as you're listening to this, you've been seeing people leave and, and hit the portal. It can seem like a lot if it's coming in, in waves like this. Andrew, they've lost 14 people to the portal so far. Just for starters, are there any people who have left in the portal that I guess are significant in terms of Ohio State's immediate future in 2024 of guys we expect it to be on the field outside of its starting quarterback, Kyle McCord? Uh, Julian Fleming was a guy that I was a little, you know, kind of raised an eyebrow at to see. Um, But there were a lot of these transfers. I I mean, they haven't really surprised me. McCord was obviously surprising. McCord, I think, surprised me and surprised a lot of people. Um, Fleming, I don't even know if it surprised me because I didn't expect Julian Fleming to be back in 2024. I just figured it would be for the NFL. I didn't think that it would be the portal. So these portal additions and subtraction, or excuse me, like I guess subtractions for now, they haven't really surprised me outside of McCord just because I looked at it and went, guys have to leave every year, right? You know, guys have to leave every single year because you only have 85 scholarships to play with. You only have 85 scholarships that you can work with. So like think, you know, Joe Ohio State fan listening to this, 
if you want Travion Henderson to come back, that's all well and good. And you probably should want him to come back because he could help the 2024 team more than somebody else. But if you want him to come back, just know that that's a scholarship that Ohio State cannot use on somebody else, right? Like, if you want all these dudes to come back, and considering what your class is right now, where you have 22 commits in your 2024 class, and you are actively trying to flip people, you have 22 commits, and you're trying to keep some of these guys, not everybody's going to go pro, you're going to run out of scholarships at some point. So I, I understand the the thought that, especially if you, you know, like as Ohio State fans, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, how, we're losing all these players. How, how, what is, what is happening? Well, every fan base is going through this, right? Like every fan base is kind of going through this. A week ago, it's, um, you know, it's this program. And then two weeks ago, it's that program. And oh my God, it's this team's losing everybody. And like, how do you think Texas A&M fans feel right now that everybody's entering the portal from, from the Aggies? So this is, this is normal. And, and this, I think that this will be kind of calmed down. This will be relaxed in a year or two as the COVID year guys start to wash out and you don't have to worry about a sixth year, um, you know, and you don't have to deal with those kind of things. But l- losing guys every year is, is going to be normal because you have 13 now. There's going to be more and 14. there's going to be players that for sorry that you have 14 now and there's going to be players that you bring in. So there's going to be more because you're bringing in, like I said, a freshman class of 22 guys and you're going to bring in some transfers that you want to enhance the roster. So you're going to lose some guys every year, whether that's their decision or whether that's the coaches telling them it would be better for you to explore other opportunities. This is going to happen. And I just think you have to get used to it. And it might suck. It might be terrible for you guys to sit there and, and, I get it, Hunter. You're you're sitting there watching this, going, "Ohio State has this many guys in the portal. What's going on?" Like, I understand it, but give it a week, and you're gonna see a whole new group of guys coming in, and or a couple of weeks, and you're gonna see a whole new group of guys coming in, and you're probably gonna feel a little bit better than you do right now. And just to, from a roster maintenance standpoint, to kind of get into those numbers, I think it was 14 seniors that this team had. Like guys who were exhausting eligibility, but that mm-hmm. actually includes Cody Simon, who can come back. It includes Jahad Carter, who I think can come back. Um, it includes, uh, um, I think, a couple other guys who, like, in theory, like Lathan Ransom could come back because he was a 2020 freshman. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's it, so even so, those 14 compared to the number that you threw out there, uh, Andrew, which was what, 22 for the freshman class? Well, there's there's incoming and outgoing right there. Yeah. You know you have to lose other people on the roster to fit in the 22 freshmen. So that's part of this. Like th- There's that attrition, and then if you want to add people through the portal, you have to lose people to the portal. Like That's just, especially when you're at, you're right at really tight, that scholarship number. But to get to also the greater point, so I was looking back, like if coming out of the Michigan game, guys who... I thought would be on the 2024 2D. So if Trevin Henderson didn't come back, like I said before, maybe Evan Pryor would have been on the 2D, but maybe not. Like, I mean, maybe he wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. one or two. Julian Fleming, I suppose he would have been if he had come back for another year, but kind of, but why? It's probably time for everybody to to sort of move on from that situation because they've got so many good young receivers. Um, And especially if the crazy thing happens and Marvin comes back and Abuka comes back, now you're really tight on how many guys you have. Joe Royer, if he could have held off Jelani Thurman and or a tight end transfer that we think might potentially come in, if Ohio State may be pursuing that, then maybe he would have been 2D, maybe not. So then right there, like that's you're seeing kind of the pattern here of like who actually is leaving. It's not guys who were going to be significant pieces for 2024, probably. Uh, Jair Brown, on one hand, you would think, okay, that makes sense. Well, now if, if or maybe maybe you could have seen him having a role. But now imagine if Jordan Hancock comes back, because then you've got Igmanosin, Hancock, Jermaine Matthews, and Calvin Simpson Hunt. And Jermaine Matthews had definitely passed up Jair Brown this past year. So he knew already that he was no better than third in the group of guys who were coming back. Kai Stokes is the one that has left so far where I think, you know, there might be a point next season where we think, man, they could really use Kai Stokes right here. That's almost, yeah. though, more on the promise he showed as a freshman, because he just there were opportunities this past year and he didn't get them. They were given to other people. So that's the one that, and even that one is very, very borderline. It's just not high impact guys for 2024 
who were leaving. And because of the stages of their career for all these guys, if they don't, if they weren't going to hit by next year, I know there's the Josh Proctor examples, the Brandon Bowens, the guys who don't really put it all together until the very end. But it's just a matter of, of common development here. If you haven't done it by your third year, second year, then it's you've really kind of fallen off because they're bringing in so many talented people all the time. You're probably getting passed up. And for some of these guys, that was already happening. When you see the number 14, it does kind of stand out to you. This is just some other programs I was looking at who are not competing for college football in the college football playoff right now because that's part of this. If you're if they were in the playoff, some of these transfers wouldn't be happening yet. They would probably be happening yep. whenever they lost or when they won a national title. That that matters here. So like places like Alabama's only got two, Texas has only got four. Ohio State was 14. Georgia has eight. USC has 10. Oklahoma has 10. Clemson has seven. Florida State has 10, Texas A&M has 16, and Florida has 13. Those are just other schools who have expectations of being in the 12-team college football playoff next year. So it's it's out there when you look at it as a whole. But to these guys' point, when you actually look at the list and make everybody an individual situation, you're losing guys who are depth and potentially replacing those guys with starters. At least that's what your expectation is going to be when you go into the transfer portal. Also with some of the true freshmen who are coming in, which we'll get into in the next couple of weeks here as we get closer to the signing day. Last thing, I just thought it was, we, we don't do enough nonsense on this pod and just like random stuff. From the 614, what were y'all's favorite movies of the year? I've got two weeks of, I got two weeks off at the end of the year and I'm looking for movie recommendations to watch laying on the couch with my dog. Andrew, top three movies of this year. Oh, top three? That uh, that wasn't the question for you. I know. Um, I don't know. Top three. Uh, well, the number one movie for me is Oppenheimer. Um, that that I saw that in theaters. I think the night it came out, and that was freaking fantastic. That was unbelievable. So I would tell uh, whoever you are from the six one four to carve out like three hours and watch Oppenheimer. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, there were some people I saw that said it was boring. I don't know how that's possible. It was one of the more entertaining movies I've ever seen. It was dialogue driven and it was fantastic. So please go watch Oppenheimer. I don't know my my two and three. So I'll see the Florida Nathan as I think. But Oppenheimer was far and away my number one. Yeah, I was sad when I was looking for this because I... Um, they have not seen as many movies as I wish I had seen this year. Just you get a baby, things things slow down, and sometimes in your social life. Uh, Oppenheimer also though would be very high on my list. Uh, Asteroid City, which was the latest Wes Anderson movie that I liked a lot more than I expected to like. Although I've liked a, a lot of his films, but um, I, I really enjoyed that. And then the one that I just saw, which is uh, The Killer, which is a, the the newest uh, David Fincher movie. It's got Michael Fassbender in it. I would just caution people before they see it to know um, don't take the movie at face value. It's it's a very dark comedy and it kind of plays with you a little bit. And just know that going in. I don't think it spoils anything to say that. Just kind of be ready for it not to be exactly what you thought going in. And once you grasp that, um, and it, it really helps if you were um, a, a fan of the Smiths and little, they, they, that's a big part of the soundtrack and it, it ties into the character. Um, it's just, it's a, I enjoyed it. Um, once I figured out what it was doing to the, to the viewer. And I thought that was a really fun experience. So Oppenheimer, Asteroid City and the killer. If you guys heard that phone going off in the background, that was our timer from the question before. So we were out even further that time oh. congratulations to us all definitely oppenheimer's on my list even though I, i'm not a the biggest fan of movies who are only dialogue driven all the time because it can be boring to just sit there and watch people talk but i thought this they, they did a good job with this movie uh spider-man across the uh spider-verse just because the visuals are always really dope every time you see a movie like that so that's got to be thrown into it and this one's not necessarily a movie it's more of an app my girlfriend and I have gotten into this habit of watching Tubi movies because they're all bad movies, but they're like hilariously bad, like the worst possible movies. There's no actual plot. The camera work is always spot. Everything about it is bad. And so we've gotten into this habit over the past couple of months here of just watching bad Tubi movies for the sake of how funny it is. And sometimes it's so bad that we can't even get through 15 minutes of it. And sometimes you get to the end and it's like, that's a very bad movie. It's almost 
applaudedly black it almost is oscar worthy how bad it is and so that's what i would recommend if you just have a day since you're off for two weeks just turn on tubi one day and just pick a bad movie there's a million of them on there those are our movies that's our thoughts on the transfer portal we're expected to talk with players on tuesday next week and so the, the we'll, we're we have a plan for the pod schedule next week it's going to have to evolve a little bit just because we're getting players on tuesday instead of monday as we expected as ohio state prepares to play in the cotton bowl on december 29th it'll be the last time we talk to the players before they head to dallas to play missouri on december 29th so get the text 614-350-3315 when we're in there talking with players when we're talking with brian day when nathan's down there in dallas talking with who knows who we're going to be texting it first, man. Two-week free trial, three ninety nine. after that. Like I said before, and I'll continue to say, there is no bad time to, to sign up, but there's always a bad time to leave. So for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>